Oh, life is full of ironies. I was going to start out today with a, a little proverb about um, a Russian proverb that my husband clipped out. He sometimes brings me things home from work that he thinks might be helpful to me or amusing. And he clipped out a, a, a Russian proverb that um, says, absent-mindedness is looking for the horse you're riding on. I don't know which category of helpful that's uh, supposed to be for me, but it's really apt because I can't find my sermon. Uh, so, but fear not, it's all up here. <laughs> but someone took a few slips of paper home with them today. They thought it had scratches on it, but they were words of profound wisdom. <laughs> they taped the earlier ones so you can check it out online. But uh, I liked that. I liked, it's amazing how these things work because that image of absent-mindedness uh, really was helpful to me today. It rem I started thinking about my childhood and my uh, many years in elementary school. My mother had tutored me a lot. She was working on her degree in education while I was uh, four, three, four, five years old at Otterbein. And she used to practice all her teaching techniques on me. So. I was reading uh, really well when I went to elementary school, and there wasn't a lot for me to do every day. And um, the teachers, I realized, uh, as I look back on it now, they must have been very frustrated with me because I did an awful lot of looking absent-minded like I was somewhere else. And um, I think that uh, I think that some of the teachers uh, fluxed with that pretty easily, and others of them became pretty frustrated with me and would sometimes take it out on me. And I wish I'd been able to tell them now what I'm uh, uh, aware, what, what was going on then. Because while I was absent from uh, paying close attention to following all the instructions of the teacher in front of the room, while I was gazing around at other things, I was actually quite present to other things. It's not like nothing was going on in my head. There was a lot going on in my head, and it weren't all bad. Uh, one of the things that I, I realized um, uh, and that has perpetually fascinated me ever since, as a kid, I realized I did not understand what made other people tick. And so I spent a lot of time in the classroom watching other kids and their body language and trying to figure out what it meant. And um, of course now, it's really helpful in ministry to have worked on that when, I didn't, when no one else thought I was doing anything. But even in the classroom, it made a difference because uh, I just kind of understood some of the kids in, the, in our class that other kids, people didn't understand. And I just found little ways to connect with them. But it was because I was thinking and analyzing and very present to that work in the midst of while I was sitting in the classroom, not listening to the instructions of what I should have been doing. And I thought about this today as I listened to the Beatitudes. Because the Beatitudes call us to have our attention focused on things that are not always 
the day-to-day -day agenda of everyone around us. The Gospel of Matthew starts out with Jesus being born in a stable and a star above and the wise men come, the shepherds hear the word, he is the king, the son of David, the king. And at the same time, the Gospel of Matthew tells us about a palace very close nearby with a king Herod in it who had control of the money and the power and the position. And the story of those two kings, one in the stable and one in the palace, and how they interact is really what weaves throughout all of the story of Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and is still coming forward today. Two kingdoms, one earthly, worldly, another one fully present to a set of values that come from somewhere else. And so like the kid in my classroom who had to be present to the values of the classroom, but really was present to another set of interests at the same time, ones that were more rewarding to me and more engaging at the time. Christians are called to live like that in the world. We're in a world governed by one set of values, but we are present to and attentive to and trusting in another set of values. So the Beatitudes, the blessings, are pronouncements on kinds of behaviors, attitudes, and dispositions, and the way they're lived out by persons who are fully present and attentive to that kingdom that began in the stable. So I, I want to go through and just put them in ordinary words, if you would, one by one, and then we'll come back, and I want to come back to that absent-minded thought that I was really, really glad I had this morning. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Um, lots of translations now, uh, instead of using the word blessed, they use the word happy are they. And uh, the word in Greek can be translated both ways. And uh, there is something to the, the idea that it's related to a state of happiness. But I prefer, I prefer to use the uh, translation blessed because I think it's more accurate in this context. If we were to read all of these as saying, happy are they who, we would kind of see it as um, a how-to manual to achieve happiness in this world, and like a, a recommendation list of how-tos for being happy. And I think we would be a, a little bit off course if we did that. I think that the, the thrust of the teaching is that 
some of the situations that are described as blessed are things that really, on the face of them, do not look happy at all. And yet we're called to be in those conditions, not because our goal is happiness, but because our goal is being faithful to that kingdom that began in a stable, and then the byproduct, we learn, the byproduct and the future promised fulfillment is that we will be blessed as a result. So blessed are they who, for they will. They're leaning into that coming kingdom, the one that started in the stable. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit means, well, not arrogant, not full of oneself, aware of one's own limitations and, and putting one's trust not in just our powers alone, but radically relying on God for our sense of identity and security. Poor in spirit means rich in God's spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Well, I think mourning can refer to the normal things that we would associate with grieving, human losses that we experience. But much as Jesus weeps uh, for Jerusalem and Jerusalem's condition, uh, I think mourning in this sense also is talking about people who are acutely aware of the gap between the world as it is and what it should be, between what is going on and what could be going on if everyone were living as God intended. People who are mourning, in a sense, in this disciple sense, are people who don't just go along and say, oh, it's okay the way it is, or, oh, they are willing to admit that things aren't what they should be, and they mourn for that. Blessed are those who are meek, for they inherit the earth. Meekness, gentleness. Blessed are those who don't try to use force or power or coercion to get their way, but instead who seek to work humbly in the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled people who seek to make things right, who seek justice, who seek higher standards, who want to have people be accountable to something that is good and right and true and don't let go of it. Blessed are the merciful. People who are merciful don't deal with others by what they earn, or maybe even necessarily what they deserve, but they deal with others in light of the grace of God which they themselves have received and act mercifully. Blessed are the pure in heart, people who are single-minded in their devotion for God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers, not just people who mind their own business and keep their nose clean, not just people who think peaceful thoughts, but people who actually are engaged in doing work of reconciling groups of people together or trying to make people solve problems in ways that are not violent. After I got done thinking about and analyzing for myself the meaning of all the things on the list, I started looking around for some examples and was thinking about the headlines. And I was finding it really hard to grab many examples out of the headlines. And I got kind of discouraged. But while I was getting discouraged, Thank goodness my phone interrupted my thoughts and something popped up, a message to our Facebook page. It was from a woman who uh, sent a message saying, hi, I wondered if there was someone from your church who could pray with our group on, uh, I believe it's uh, sometime in February. I'll tell you more about it later once I find my paper. But, uh, she is part of a group of people who sponsors a march every year uh, to honor and remember folks who have law, who have, have missing persons in their lives. Uh, and uh, in her message, she said, you know, we, 15 years ago, there was an OSU student, Brandon Schaefer, who disappeared. Um, and uh, was never found. And every year around that time, they have a march from the OSU Medical School. He was a medical school student. And they march right past our doors to the last place he was seen, which I think was Ugly Tuna Saloon. Is that the name? Is that the right? And, and she said, you know, um, we would like for someone from your church to come and pray with us. Uh, between like 12.15 and 12.30, if you would do that. And I went, I looked up the medical school student, and, and then she has this Facebook page. She's just a woman in Southeast Ohio who, who's not related to Brandon Schaefer or any of the other people. She just was touched in her heart by this and thought, you know what? I do not want people who have missing people in their lives to do that alone. I want, I want them to know that their loved ones who are lost matter. I want them to have people who care about it and, and help them not forget. And so she's part of organizing this march in this Facebook page, and she wants us to pray with them. I thought, wow, there is someone who is taking the work of mourning seriously. And I thought, gee, many Christmas, it's, that's incredible. People who mourn and take, take mourning seriously are, are so much more productive than people who don't. People who have had a big loss or are sad about things that are not right have choices to make. And some people take that sadness and they stuff it down in there and 
the way it comes out, I tell you, when you stuff down sadness for a long period of time, it comes out as anger. Or else, or else you decide, well, I guess it didn't matter that much, I gotta get on with it, and you think things just don't matter, nothing matters, and you become cynical or disengaged and dead inside. And instead, this woman chose to be mourning. And you only do that when you really believe that in mourning honestly about real losses, we shall be comforted. And I felt so blessed that this woman thought to ask us to join her in her mourning. And then it got me thinking, if I've never heard of this group that's doing that march, and they've been doing it for 15 years and they've been walking right by our door, what else am I not seeing? And then I thought about my absent-mindedness. While everyone else thought that I was not paying attention to anything, I was paying attention to important things, but the ripples from that were not all that easy to see. So maybe I should not go to the headlines to find examples. And that woman's Facebook page got me thinking about looking more closely at things. And then I started seeing so much, I couldn't even begin to contain it in this message. And you'll fill in the blanks too. But I went back and thought, blessed are the poor in spirit, people who, who know they depend on God, their identity and their security depends on God. And I thought about the people who week after week, or maybe for the first time, fill out a prayer card. They write their heart and the things that have kept them awake at night onto a card and put it in a basket for other people to pray with them about and they trust those needs that they're working on in their own way as they can, but they trust the ultimate hope is going to be from God's Holy Spirit working in the world. And I thought about all the people who open up their emails every week on the prayer team and read down that list and pray for them and never know the rest of the story. Most of the time we don't, but we trust because our identity and our hope is in God. Then I thought of blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. People who are not worried about getting credit for things or uh, people who are going about trying to get change happening, but in a gentle way. And I thought about, uh, now in the spirit, of disciples, I'm not gonna name names, but I am gonna talk about things that are going on that disciples here are doing. And I thought about someone who wants to make a change without being forceful and forcing it on other people. I thought about the woman whose family was affected by the flooding, this, uh, hurricanes in Puerto Rico, who must have uh, getting ground on the ground reports from all of the stuff that was not being done, all of the services that were not happening, all of the, the desperate needs that she was learning about in her family and others around them, 
She could have chosen to get mad and she could have chosen to talk about the lack of appropriate response of our government. Instead, she chose to try to do what she could and create a way to get equipment down there. And she invited the congregation and her friends on Facebook to help. You gave $4,500 that day. Other people gave more stuff. And, and that was quiet. It never made the news. But it wasn't anything other than making change in a meek and humble way. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who want the things to be made right the way they should be and will not give up. We have someone here in this congregation who faithfully, here and in school and in other places in our society, regularly reminds us of the importance of working and figuring out what it takes to be truly inclusive in our educational ministries, in the way we embrace people of all kinds of gifts in the life of this congregation. I imagine sometimes it gets tiring. I imagine sometimes it can be discouraging, but it is a disciple gift that is given and I receive it as such as a gift for all of us that helps us all remember we all have a variety of different gifts and we are blessed when we create contexts where they can flourish, all of us. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. This week I thought about, I thought about uh, Donald, our gentleman who opens the doors uh, for us oftentimes on Sunday mornings and um, sometimes looks a bit scruffy, and sometimes he, you may know, can act a bit scruffy. And um, yet, when he was hurt this past week, there was someone who went to his hospital room and took his clothes home to get them all washed up, who went and visited him in the hospital. Donald will not ever be able to return that favor. Uh, it's not ever anything that they're going to get beautiful thank you cards written for. But people in this congregation, multiple people, have stepped up to be merciful for him in his time of need. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I was humbled just this past week when Disciple Bible Study started back up again. And, and uh, you know, it's a... It's a little bit of heavy lifting. There's quite a bit of reading that goes along with that. You have to be prepared for class. And um, I was looking for uh, some people to maybe drop out. There was a young man who, who drives all the way from Powell, whose wife is expecting during this semester, and uh, who works a job and already has a child and is a busy father. And uh, it's a lot of reading to keep up with. I didn't expect to see him back at Disciple, but he came back. And I was humbled because he is investing himself, even in the midst of his busy life, in getting to know God and God's will and making that a priority. And the purity of that really touched me. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you know we have a small group who uh, decided in the midst of conversations they had this 
this uh, past uh, fall that um, they, they really thought that our, our civil dialogue was so embittered and so alienating and estranged, and they cared about that. They, they decided that they were going to try to um, develop a way of learning more about how other people think and how to communicate your own thoughts with people who think differently in a way that is not antagonistic but that actually builds understanding and common ground. They just decided they wanted to do that as a project and are working on it together. And I started thinking about, don't look at the headlines, look right around you. And I saw more and more and more things all the time. And I wasn't sad anymore. I was so happy and blessed, blessed to be among the people of God. So I think what we, we are not all going to be great at all of these things. Jesus is speaking to the disciples as a people together. And so what I think it's great to do is when we see these little kingdom values bubbling up in our midst, well, if it's not us, we support and encourage, we celebrate and thank, and we help out the people who are rising up among us to show us ways to be peacemakers and merciful and compassionate comforters and pure at heart. And the blessing will multiply and continue. May it be so. Amen.